Day Planet Earth, Michael Litton, the last DJ, host of Ride the Vibe, a podcast broadcast from the DRSATL.com Roswell Studio location, a brilliant living room-like studio. Waheed Gomes, my good friend and executive producer and owner of the studio. And we are just so totally stoked to have extreme adventurer Jerome Rand on the show with us today. Jerome, welcome. Ah, uh, how are we doing? Thank you very much for having me. It's very exciting. Oh my gosh. I'm just uh, over the almost full moon stoked about it. And Jerome, for your listeners that are legion and growing, the way we typically roll ride the vibe is we do what I call a CD listening party format. And we suggest to listeners that they sit back in the comfort of an environment of their choosing, including on a sailboat or a float on the water and get a beverage of their choice. And in the studio, in the spirit of this show, we're featuring uh, two different beverages. One, I've got a tiki rum Mai Tai. This is a pre-made cocktail uh, made by, and it's out of a can, made by uh, Cutwater Spirits Distilleries. This was provided by my friend uh, Dylan Norris, and Cutwater Spirits is out of San Diego, which is a hotbed for sailing. And then we're also featuring uh, a sparkling water in the studio that we're making ourselves. We've got a product, uh, Jerome, out of your neck of the woods, a company called Drinkmate, and it's a Drinkmate spritzer. And this uh, portable uh, unit, tabletop unit, uh, will spritz any beverage. So check that out, you all. And my friends, uh, Doug, the owner of Drinkmate, and Kevin Young, the customer service rep, hooked us up with this. So we can sparkle our own beverages here. And you all, as we talk uh, to Jerome, as I talk to Jerome during the show, you it will not uh, take you very long to figure out why I picked those uh, two product uh, placements for this particular show. And we're going to talk to Jerome about his epic journey and his book, Sailing Into Oblivion. But at the high level, get your head around this, you all. Solo circumnavigating the globe, 271 days at sea. That's like nine months and a 32-foot sailboat, and he went around all five of the capes. And then because I'm the last DJ, and I can play what I want to play and say what I want to say, we're also going to, we're embracing the genius of the and, we're going to play some music. And we're going to play some music that is near and dear to Jerome's heart and specifically selected by him. This is an artist that, um, again, has significance to Jerome, his boat, and the journey. And Jerome, I'm going to turn it over to you to let you talk about the artists we're going to feature during the the show as we talk about your epic journey. Well, for me, Mighty Sparrow, first of all, is is known as the Calypso King of the world. Yeah. Um, 
I learned about him when I was living down in the British Virgin Islands yep. for about 10 years working for a resort called the Bitter End Yacht Club. Yep. And one of the best parts of my whole time being down there was really forming these great friendships uh, with all the locals down yeah. there. Yeah. And one of the things that, that constantly was in, in that relationship was the music of the islands. Yeah. And the more I got into it, the more we kept going back to these this one guy's voice and yeah. I kept hearing it. Old timers, young people, everybody knew exactly who this was. Yeah. And when I I remember still watching my first YouTube videos of this guy up on stage, yeah. Mighty Sparrow dancing away and the beat is just thumping in your head. Yeah. And it it just I loved it. I I absolutely fell in love right from the get-go. Yeah. And one of the the cool things though was it, it was almost like a bridge for me down there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You could walk around anywhere, talk to anybody. You bring up the name Mighty Sparrow, and the locals first they look at you and they're like, "Wait a minute, this guy knows. Yeah, he knows about the Caribbean. Yeah, and it's it's almost like an ultimate in. And it it didn't just rely in the British Virgin Islands. When I traveled to Saint Lucia, Dominica, Saint Martin. It's it's all the same yeah. because this guy was so famous and so well known down there. It's just he was he was a big big aspect of my my time down there in the Caribbean. And in fact, and I I, I just had kind of assumed, and that's always a dangerous thing that you bought because the boat you, your west sail is forty some plus years old. And I'm just kind of thinking, well, that was the name of the boat when you bought it, but that's oh, no. not the case. No, when I bought it, it was named Sierno, uh -huh. and it was sort of a, a play on that, um, oh, what's that old story, Sierno de Bergerac? De Bergerac. I don't know if I'm, yeah. I don't yeah. know if I'm pronouncing yeah. that Sierno, correctly. Yeah, but, I, I'm not either, but yeah, I got you though. Yeah, and and so, because a West Sail has a pretty pronounced bowsprit, so yep. a big, basically stick coming off the bow. So it was sort of a play on the big nose, big bowsprit sort of thing. And the trouble I had was everywhere I went, people didn't know how to pronounce it, right. including like myself. Like we can, yeah. Yeah, I know, I know. I would call it multiple different names. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I really just, I, it, it didn't suit the boat. It didn't right. suit what I was planning on doing with the boat. Yeah. And more than anything, it's almost a, a bit of a tribute to, you know, all my friends and family down there in the Caribbean. Yeah. Well, I think if you're amenable, Waid, I think, uh, so for the, the your fans again, you've uh, selected a number of different songs off of the Mighty Sparrows, uh, Dr. Bird's Soka uh, Anthology album. Now, I went out and bought this thing in anticipation of this show, so... I own the music and we're playing the music and we supported the artists. So I just want to get that out there. Um, nice. but we're, <laughs> we're, and this, uh, this, uh, anthology is also to Jerome's point earlier, it's got a DVD in there. So for you fans or soon to be fans, if you're not familiar with the mighty Sparrow, go out and buy this thing. It's a, it's a disc. And then, uh, it's also a DVD, which is pretty cool. So you can actually see the mighty Sparrow in action, which is, uh, as Jerome said, uh, experience in and of itself. But Jerome picked a number of these songs we're going to play. Not this one, but I thought it was only appropriate because it kind of uh, is, um, you know, symbolic of or indicative, I guess, of what stereotype of sailors. So let's tee up if we could, Waheed, and we're only going to play about a minute of it. Drunk and Disorderly Medley. <laughs> Will you drink that wine? Yeah, yeah. 
and you drink it red. Yeah, yeah. And you reach for the pillow, yeah, yeah. missing the whole damn bed. You ain't drunk. You have been drinking. Say yeah. yeah. Say yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. But when you drink that West Indian rum and you drink it fast, then you reach for your woman and you miss her. You're drunk, you're drunk, you're drunk and disorderly. Drunk and disorderly, always in custody with friends and with family. All man fed up with me cause I'm drunk and disorderly. Every weekend I in the jail. Drunk and disorderly, nobody to stand me bell. Back on Ride the Bob. Michael Litton, the last DJ, playing what he wants to play, saying what he wants to say. And in this case, having a fascinating conversation with Jerome Rand, author of Sailing Into Oblivion. And this book uh, was so, I, I mean, I couldn't wait to read it. So I had to download it on Kindle in anticipation of getting my hard copy. But y'all are going to want to get a hard copy of this book and have it on your bookshelf. It's just an unbelievable uh, story that we're going to talk about. And we're weaving in music because, again, this is Ride the Vibe, and I'm the last DJ, and we just featured a song, Drunken Disorderly, which is off the Mighty Sparrow Soko Anthology. This is a, a two-DVD uh, or CD disc set, and then it's also got a DVD featuring some of the Mighty Sparrow. And uh, Drunken Disorderly only fitting because Jerome's featuring his favorite uh, beer <laughs> of choice up in uh, Michigan. That's a uh, Bush Light. And I've got a tiki rum Mai Tai pre-made cocktail from my friends at Cutwater Spirits out of San Diego and also have some uh, sparkling water, which uh, you will pick up uh, during the course of our conversation, why I selected water uh, as a second beverage choice. Jerome, <laughs> uh, on your journey, you made the decision not to have a dry boat uh, as many captains do when they, uh, when they do these journeys. Talk a little bit about that and the, and the beverages you had on the, on the Mighty Sparrow. Well, you know, for for such a long trip, I definitely wanted to provision as, as best I could when it came to the uh, the bar yeah. uh, aboard. And <laughs> you know, like like you said, uh, Mighty Sparrow under my command has never really been a, a dry boat um, on on purpose, I yeah. should say, yeah. because I have run out plenty of times. But right, right. Normally out at sea, it, it's never a good idea to get intoxicated. Right, and that's right. not why you have the bar. Right. You have the bar for that wonderful sunset. We call it a sundowner when we're out there. Love and, it. you know, <laughs> it's one cocktail, maybe two, depending yeah. on what's going on. Yeah. And that's typically what it's there for. Yeah. There are other occasions when, you know, things are really miserable. <laughs> you go through a bad squall for a couple hours. It's three in the morning. Yeah. Right before you head back to the bunk, you might reach down and uh, a, a famous sailor used to say, check the level of the whiskey. <laughs> and so it comes in handy now and again, for sure. But it, it is one of those things where you have to be careful because yeah, right. I've heard plenty of stories yeah. where people get on boats, they get a little too loose and yeah. then the weather changes. So it's it's something you, you sort of make your rules. Yeah. But I've never wanted to uh, sail on a, a dry boat, dry boat. ever since I, I used to do that with yacht deliveries <laughs> yeah. where insurance and right, all that's right. involved. 
And that's totally fine. Absolutely acceptable. But for my voyages, especially I'm out there by myself. Yeah. You got to have definitely, a little. Definitely. Uh, and you were a, a Mount Gay rum, but that was before you knew about uh, Cutwater Spirits because you might've had some Cutwater Spirits rum on board. Oh, I, I would have definitely if I would have known. <laughs> and then you uh, you liked uh, mixing it with Tang and then you had a little uh, Dewar's with uh, H2O and you uh, you said you had some Fireball on cold nights. Oh yeah, the Fireball. And the Fireball, um, it sort of had a companion. I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. McGillicuddy's. It's uh, sort of like a peppermint schnapps. Oh my gosh. And yeah, that one. Those <laughs> I had two big bottles of those, and those were the last to go. Uh, well, and, and and you will tell this better than I. But uh, as I understand it, there you know, there's an expression uh, that sailors have: "Splice the main brace," which comes from the British Navy, where right the and in, 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 if I'm screwing this up, which I'm sure I will, the the main brace was the big uh, line that held the mast up, and when that got frayed or was compromised splicing that and repairing that was an arduous job. So those yeah. sailors on these British sailing vessels that did that, it was a big task. And they would get a, a double ration of rum, as I understand it, because the British Navy had rum on their vessels and each sailor, I, I guess, it got a ration per day. Am I getting? Am I even close on that drum? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and they, I believe, they carried on that tradition of, of a, a ration of rum um, into the 1970s, I believe. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was so ingrained. And earlier on, you know, a few hundred years ago, it would have been you know a pint or more a day of rum. So you were <laughs> you were really, but but the conditions of those boats were absolutely miserable. <laughs> terrible. It, well, you sort of wanted your crew to to be happy in any way, <laughs> shape, or form. I hope uh, our listeners are enjoying us as, as much as I am, but fascinating conversation. And we're going to take a short break to support our sponsor, which in this case is drsatl.com. The studio we're broadcasting from, Wahid Gomes is the owner. For uh, anyone interested in doing a podcast, any musicians looking for a really comfortable place, right here in Roswell, GA, you want to check out Wahid and drs.com, uh, drsatl.com is Roswell location. Well, we're going to come back and talk to Jerome about how in the heck you provision a boat, a 32-foot boat, not only with uh, beverages for sundowners, but also your food for nine months. Get your head around, y'all. Think about having to be in your house for nine months and eating only the food that you have in your house. Uh, unbelievable. But we'll be right back on Ride the Vibe. Jerome Rand, Sailing into Oblivion, uh, Extreme Adventurer. Bye-bye. DRS provides professional audio mixing and mastering services. They also provide other creative services, such as voiceover editing, audio restoration, and audio forensics. They have great customer service, their work is fast and efficient, and their prices are affordable. You can learn more about their creative services by visiting them on the web at drsatl.com. Again, that's drsatl.com. Or call them at 404-590-0779. Again, that's 404-590-0779. DRS, when the right sound matters. You are back on Ride the Bob. Michael Litton, the last DJ, with Jerome Ran, Extreme Adventure. We're talking about his epic journey 
271 days at sea in a 32-foot boat. And we were talking about uh, provisioning for beverages. We started out with that, you know, adult beverages, because you got to have those for sundowners and all those times when uh, the journey gets a little bit rough. But he's got a, a brilliant book out. I just, it was a fascinating read, a page turner. I, I read it via Kindle in one setting and then had my hard copy arrive, which I've got in my hand. But um, you want to go out and get that. Really a, a killer tale. And Jerome, talk about how in the world do you provision a boat, not only with the beverages, but your meals for nine months? I mean, I, 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 I can't get my head around that. Well, the food is definitely uh, of of grave concern, yeah. obviously, when you set out there. I mean, for the folks at home, really, just think about, you know, somebody saying, okay, you get to go to the grocery store, but you can't come back for nine months. Yes, right, right. And so you, you got to put together that list. And, you know, if you read the book, you're going to find out, you know, what I did to provision. But more than that, you're going to find out what not to do because I ran into quite a bit of trouble as as I found out that I had not actually provisioned uh, very well. Yeah, but yeah. in the beginning, you know, you go through and you you sort of estimate how many days you're going to be out there. And then you're, you're, you're basically trying to divide that up, say, three, four meals a day try and balance things out. You know, you got to do your breakfast, your lunch, your dinner, get the whole selection. But as you can imagine, for a trip that you're expecting to be, I provisioned, or I thought I did, for 300 days. Yeah. And uh, basically, yeah, I was just trying to have as much selection as I could, but it becomes so tedious after a while. You're like, all right, give me 50 spaghetti dinners. Give me... 35 uh, oatmeals and that sort of stuff. And you start adding it up. And I had all these lists, lists after lists, and I'm adding things last minute, this and that. But my calculations really fell short when it came to the big tubs of dehydrated camping food Mm -hmm. because that stuff is great on a boat because it's very light. You can pack it. You can push on it. You're not going to damage it. And these big cans came in 10 serving uh, units. And mm-hmm. I looked at that and I said, okay, 10 servings, that's 10 meals. Yeah, And I didn't consider, okay, I got to look at how many calories this is. Yeah. I got to see exactly if that's going to fill me up. And what, what I found really, the reality was I should have had probably three servings mm-hmm. for each meal. Mm-hmm. And so about uh, midway through the trip, as I, you know, you, you start taking inventory yeah. as, as some of the shelving sort of clears out. And that's when I discovered, okay, this is, it started out that it was going to be tight. Yeah. I better hurry up. I better, you know, maybe not eat as much yeah. as I want to. And that gradually, week after week and month after month, started to turn into, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it mm-hmm. all the way back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't want to give away the whole thing, yeah. but uh, yeah. I will say that, you know, I was rationing for over two and a half months mm-hmm. out there, mm-hmm. losing weight. Yeah. You know, 45 pounds to... you ended up losing. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was ridiculous. The, the, the crazy thing, though, was that I didn't know that that was actually happening yeah, because yeah. For, for two and a half months trying to cross the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> You're bundled up like a polar bear. I, yeah. I never <laughs> took my layers off. You just don't. I had, you, you don't shower. It's freezing. I mean, I got down to the point where it was snowing and there's hail. 
You, you all got to check out do. some of his videos. They're priceless. Oh, on YouTube. Yeah, yeah YouTube. Right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh my god. So, I mean, I'm I'm just so how do you how do you prepare though? I mean, you you through hike the app, so you have some, you know, experience preparing. But on a how did you? Are your trips when you're taking these yachts across? I mean, talk about that, and then talk about you had these meal uh, meals ready to eat MREs. You know, did you yep. try all of them? Because you had some, you know, the rib shape pork, and you, I probably don't even oh, want to say it. I probably yeah, shouldn't even say it because those made you sick. But how, I mean, how, how do you how do you prepare to know which were good, which weren't, what were going to make you sick? Not so, I mean. Well, I did, yeah. Initially, I ordered a big case of, I don't know, 12 or 24 of these MREs. Yeah. And and they were new to me. And when you get the actual full MRE, there's the, the packaging alone must weigh half a pound. Mm. It's just plastic bag. Yeah. And there's all sorts of little, there's like plastic spoons and yeah. all this stuff. And yeah. I didn't really need all that. Yeah. And I found that you could actually just order the entree. So uh, think of it this way. It's basically a can yeah. of food that's in a pouch. Yeah. And so I ordered, I think I must've had 300, <laughs> 400 of yeah. those things. And, and I think that was part of the trouble too, is that it's just the numbers were so high. Yeah. It was, it was kind of like, I got, 400. There's That's no fine. way I That's can good. run yeah, out. I'm not yeah. going to run out. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and and for, for shorter trips, you can really, you know, get down and be like, okay, we're going to need this. And you always over-provision yeah. because yeah. for a two-week trip, you're going to have enough room. Yeah. I was basically filling every nook and cranny yeah. of this boat as best as I possibly could. And uh, I can't even imagine. Know. And then you had your brother sneaking stuff on, hiding stuff to, oh, <laughs> to give gosh, you treats. Oh, my I know. <laughs> <laughs> the, you know, the worst part about that, I don't know if I ever told you this, but after the trip, I return, we pull the boat out up in Rockland, Maine, yeah. and I'm working on it, trying to clean it all up, get all the mold out and all yeah. that stuff. And I'm going through the little locker that has the the propane tanks in it. Yeah. And underneath one of the propane uh, tanks was an unopened bag of beef jerky. Oh my God, what you would have died for. <laughs> oh, like gold in my hand. <laughs> It would that, have been that, the greatest. That is just crazy. I cannot even get my head around. We're getting ready to go down to the BVI uh, for just five days, and provisioning for that's got my head exploding. I'm on ninety days. That's just crazy. Well, I, I want to play another song if we could. Uh, and sure. And uh, this is uh, how you jam and sew. If we could tee that up, why he'd play a little minute this a uh, minute of that. This is the Mighty Sparrow. Soka's Anthology album. It's a two a CD disc with a DVD in there. Y'all want to go out and buy this thing. Buy uh, Jerome's book, Sailing Into Oblivion. Get it in hard copy. You are going to want to have it in your hands. It's a fascinating read. I, I read it in one setting. So let's hear a little How You Jam and Sew. Jam. 
So I hold she and I squeeze she. I was feeling quite happy, but she started acting shy. She watched me and started to cry. How you jamming so? Like you're feeling hot or what? Nice. If that, yeah, that, yeah, if that, got the horns in there. If that it. doesn't get you out of your seat and jamming and want you to go down to the BVI, I don't know what will. And again, thanks to our friends at Cutwater Spirits, Dylan Norris, for, in my case, the Tiki Rum Mai Tai drink. Very tasty pre-made cocktail. And then we've also got some uh, drink made sparkling water. And we're going to talk about the water thing in a little bit. But um, you, you mentioned it a little bit earlier you spent about 10 years, and when I first met you down at the Bitter End Yacht Club, you were the water sports director of this iconic, what, if like 45-year uh, running, um, you know, just beautiful destination up in the Gorda Sound, the North Sound off of Virgin Gorda. So talk about your time jamming at the Bitter End um, Yacht Club. And then, you know, th this struck me, Jerome, the dichotomy of being such a people person, right? You're the water sports director. You're interacting with some well-heeled clientele that are down there for a, you know, not inexpensive vacation in a glamorous setting. So, you know, you're, you're, you know, getting to know people, et cetera, et cetera. And then you're also able to spend, uh, you know, X number of months through hiking the app and nine months of loneliness and isolation on a 32 foot boat. That That's just an interesting dichotomy. So talk about, Talk about those two things, if you would. Well, it is true. I mean, I, you know, when I was down there as as the uh, water sports director, I mean, you know, to to say I was surrounded is an understatement. I mean, from seven thirty in the morning, we're yeah. dealing with guests yeah. and and all this stuff, and there's you know regatta awards parties and cocktail parties, and yeah. then after that, then I've got my whole staff that I'm always trying to sure. surge as much energy into and we'd go up to the local bars and you know i, I was i was you're never um, off you're always never on off. constantly on always yeah. Yeah. and and i you know i enjoy that i absolutely do and i yeah. still do yeah. um but i would still it seemed like after a month or so of of just full on go 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 you know there'd at least be one or two nights where i'd be like all right guys i'm I'm going off to this beach. Got to unplug tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And, and I would go and you know I'd build a little bonfire. I'd have some music, listen to a lot of Mighty Sparrow doing yeah. that, and <laughs> and just hang and and watch the stars and sort of be by myself. I I think I think that balance is something that I absolutely need. Yeah. Um, obviously, I got it in spades when <laughs> I went on yeah. the boat for yeah. that long. Right. Um, but. It is. It's. It's. I've. I've gotten that question from quite a few people sure. that knew me before I left. That yeah. they were like, "How are you gonna? Yeah. Do that." But I. I. As much as I enjoy all the camaraderie and everything, I don't think I'm dependent on it. Yeah. I know. You know. Some people just don't want to be alone. They don't yeah. like it. Well, especially um, in this I, day and age, people. You know, think about it. They're not ever disconnected. Some of them. I mean, we got watches no, on our, no. our, 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 you know, things on our wrists, and you know, we're constantly connected. I mean. It would be hard for people, I think, a lot of people to go nine seconds, right, without being connected to something, let alone nine months of isolation. Oh, we're, we're being inundated, yeah. you know, just with no everything alone on the screen, social media, yeah. and all the advertisements, everything, you know, it is, it's uh, it's pretty incredible. And, and, you know, when I go out there on the ocean, it usually takes a few days, if not more, to 
sort of slow the brain down yeah. because there isn't any of that. You've got yeah. the ocean, you've got the sky, you yeah. got the stars at night, and you got the boat. And everything yeah. sort of moves slow, slow. and At the pace of know, nature, really. I mean, you're completely dependent exactly. on Mother Nature, basically. Yeah. And, and your when own you devices. Do, when you get into that rhythm, then all of a sudden, yeah, it just sort of feels like you're living in that moment yeah. a whole yeah. lot more. And and you start to pay attention to it. And I, mm-hmm. I, I would find myself sitting there watching sort of just the waves go by. Yeah. I could do that for hours. Yeah. And, you know, if you asked me to try and do that right now, I'd I'd be looking for my phone. I'd be looking <laughs> for anything. Yeah, yeah. Because I need that. I'm so used to checking emails yeah. and all the stimulation. Yeah. And, you know, that's probably why I'll probably end up heading back out to sea sometimes. And we're going to talk about that. <laughs> but I want to, you know, so... Uh, I was blessed uh, on Ride the Vibe to have you on the show, and it's been just over a year ago, and you were on with uh, Lauren Hoken, yep. the owner of the Bitter End Yacht Club. We were talking about that. So, And you had just come back. You were pretty fresh. I think we, our show was maybe in January of uh, 2019, and you had just come back in October from your uh, your journey. But talk about what has changed uh, just in a couple of minutes before we go to break, um, what has changed in your life with the book out? You're speaking all over. I mean, how has it affected you, Jerome? Uh, well, it has. It's been uh, a real blessing in disguise. You know, I knew that when I returned, or I should say, I thought if I did return, yeah, yeah, right. And we're going to talk about um, that too. Yeah, the I, I knew I'd probably end up doing a couple of presentations, but sure. I had no idea that I would start to get so many phone calls and so many places would be interested in it. And, you know, one of the really great benefits of, of sort of being in the public eye down at the bitter end as the water sports director was that I got a lot of time in front of groups of people. Sure. And so I found that my presentation after I had given it a few times, it started to flow really well. Yeah. People really received it yeah. with just this, they they laugh, they get scared, they yeah. don't know. I, I once had the best compliment ever. A guy came up and said, I don't know how you did it, but even though you were standing there telling me this, I wasn't sure if you were going to make it. Oh, my God. And I thought, I so get I chills. Said, right, that's crazy, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm telling a good story, story. here. And yeah. Well, you, you know, lived a over, good story. I mean, it, it's compelling. How could you? I mean, it, it, you know, it's just unbelievable. And you're you're a modest guy, but I mean, come on, one of the four smallest boats to complete a trip like that, and one of the ten longest solo sails completed—that's incredible stuff. And uh, it's just, I'm I'm just blown away. I'm, I'm genuflecting. But I, I, we got to take a short break uh, to support. Well, we don't have to, but I, I'd like to to support a sponsor that's near and dear to my heart. And it ties in, you know, the Mighty Sparrow, as you told me, Jerome, in the run-up to the show, the other, you know, the Mighty Sparrow, the musician, but also a sparrow is a small bird. It has a long migratory pattern, as I I think I remember you telling me, so it has to overcome long odds. And this, um, uh, this sponsor is Foundation for Premature Infants, which is an organization that I started to support clinical education for these brilliant clinicians who take care of premature infants, these most fragile, vulnerable little people who have new voice and have a really long journey, much like yours. There's a lot of similarity between the journey of a premature infant and the journey of Jerome Rance sailing the mighty sparrow. So we're going to take a short break and then y'all, we're going to roll for the rest of the time uh, straight through just talking about this journey 
playing music and you want to go out in the meantime and buy this book right away, Sailing Into Oblivion, get it now, download it so you can read it. I did it in one sitting. It's fascinating. And uh, we'll be right back. The number of premature infants born in the United States each year, 380,000. That's 9.8% of the total births in the U.S. The Foundation for Premature Infants' mission is to advocate for the right of all premature infants to be cared for in a developmentally supportive and age-appropriate manner. Our vision is to ensure that Premature Infants' Bill of Rights is the standard of care for all babies born prematurely 24 hours per day, 365 days per year on all shifts in every neonatal intensive care unit throughout the world. Please consider making a donation by visiting us on Facebook, Foundation for Premature Infants, or at our website, foundationforprematureinfants.org. You are back on Ride the Vibe. Michael Litton, the last DJ, playing what he wants to play, and in this case, playing some Mighty Sparrow, the Soka Anthology album, and then uh, talking with Jerome Rand, the extreme adventurer, who so solo, well, that uh, Tiki Rum Mai Tai is uh, pretty <laughs> Catching up with Yeah, I had to there. give half to Waheed because it's pretty powerful. But, but at any rate, uh, Solo circumnavigated the planet 271 days, nine months. As Jerome said, think about uh, just having to provision yourself and stay in your house for that time and, um, you know, have all the food you, you need for that journey. Unbelievable. And, you know, you were, we were talking about Lauren Hoken, uh, the daughter of the, the, the original owner or owner of uh, the Bitter End Yacht Club, and her father, Richard Hoken, uh, gave you a piece of advice before you left. And I'll quote, no matter what is going on or how bad things seem, the winds will always change. And that, that's not only appropriate for sailing, but just life, I think, don't you, Jerome? Talk a little bit about that and the significance of that that mantra. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and it, you know, it's one of those things when you're out there sailing, you could you could say, well, yeah, duh, that's that's always gonna happen. Eventually right, it will right, change. Right. But for me, really what that that says is, you know, you can count on there's going to be a time, either it's gonna be you know, an hour from now or two days or a week from now, but it's going, the winds are going to change. The seas are going to go down. So all I actually have to do is last. I have to just make it through this hard, tough patch right now. And if I can just summon the strength to keep going now, it's going to pay off when things do change. Yeah. And Sometimes that's all you need is is that small goal, that little bit of a finish line that you know is coming for a fact. Yeah, you just got to hold tight yeah. and uh, and as they the old sailors would say, hold fast. Yeah. You just hold yeah. fast, and once you get there, then you're going to be all good. And you know, it's 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 very easy when you get discouraged and the whole world around yeah. you just wants to basically make you go in the wrong direction and push you all the way down. Sometimes. You need every little bit of strength you can summon. And and it's little things like that that I would remember. Yeah. And, you know, I always thought about that. And he he gave me that advice. It was the night before I left yeah. via yeah. Uh, a little FaceTime. Mm -hmm. And, you know, mm -hmm. I'm so thankful that that he did that. Well, and the and the bitter end is, you know, I think it's a metaphor for life because the bitter end uh, faced something it had never faced in its history uh, with the knockdown of Irma. And oh, is now yeah. in the in the stage of the winds always changing and the rebuilding, et cetera. Um, 
you know, talk about, about I mean, you, you had a sewing machine on the boat. You were scattering ashes of a, of a friend, Buzz Jenks. You know, talk about the broken stuff. You, I thought this was kind of clever in the book. You, you nicknamed one of the problems you had Colonel Clink. I'm imagining that's oh. from uh, from uh, Hogan's Heroes. <laughs> but talk oh, about some man. of that, and then I want to I want to tee up uh, Do Drop the Tempo. All right. Well, you know, I mean, anytime you have a boat out in the ocean, it's basically just falling apart from day one. Yeah, yeah. It needs constant maintenance, and there's and, no and Home Depot the- to call. Absolutely not. You, you're gonna you're gonna break things that you don't have spares for, and you're going to have to figure out uh, a way to supplement that. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that is a bit repetitious in the book, and I I sort of did that on purpose, was that you know I'll, every morning I have to get up. I have no matter what it's doing outside, I got to walk that deck. Yeah. And I got to inspect every little pin and screw. Yeah. Make sure everything's right because the snowball effect out yeah. there is really terrifying. I think in the book, I actually say, well, the snowball effect ends up with you sinking. Yeah, if you right, it, right. I mean, it's critical. An well, and there's a reason, ounce of prevention, you know, pound a cure. I mean, stitch in yeah. time. Those old bromides uh, hold oh, even absolutely. more weight out on a boat. Well, and with the sails, it's mm-hmm. really, really crucial because mm-hmm. you'd, you know, you'd hoist a sail up and you'd see some little seam that's starting to let go, yeah. just this tiny hole the size of a quarter. Yeah. And if you take that sail down, you take the hour to pull the sewing machine out, set it up, you do this two minute repair, put yeah. it back up. Yeah. If you leave it up there, chances are it's going to let loose. And then that repair is going to be either huge or it's going to be Not going to happen. Yeah, impossible. Yeah. Right, right. And I mean, I, that was something, you know, I, I definitely learned that the hard way. Yeah. I tried my best to keep on top of that stuff, but sales have sort of a, a lifespan. Yeah. I went out there with, I believe, 15 oh different sales. I came back with eight. Oh, Lord have mercy. Yeah, some of them just, you know, they give up the ghost after a while. Yeah. I I got caught in a, a squall in the middle of the night with full sail up in yeah. the doldrums right around the equator. I wake up to the boat healing almost all the way over mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. pop, the sail just shredded. By the time I got up there, it was literally in tatters mm-hmm. and, and it was all gone. And, you know, that was my fault. I shouldn't have been so uh, cavalier with all that sail up with yeah. all the, yeah. the little squalls around, but... It happens. Well, let's uh, uh, let's t- uh, tee up. Do drop the tempo, because uh, we're going to talk about uh, sailing in a drop in temperature. <laughs> well, and and you know, <laughs> you know, with the with these sparrow songs, I do want to mention yeah, that you know, yeah, absolutely. His he's got such a plethora of of different sounds and yeah. and sort of different themed music. You know, in his early years, you sort of get that. Very tinny, yeah. old school Caribbean sound, and then he also he he went through a time where he did a lot of like love songs, yeah. slow stuff. The stuff we're listening to now, I think, is during sort of his nineteen seventies, mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. he was it was big, loud beats, yeah. loud music, and and all that. And like you said, introducing some horns. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he is he's phenomenal. So you know. I, I like to think of him. He's the guy you can you can turn him on at light volume yeah. in the background, you know, just to have that sort of feel of the Caribbean. Or you can crank it up and turn any place into a dance party. He's, I love it. It's just amazing. Well, let's do drop the tempo. Drop it. <laughs> <laughs>
say you could wave the flag, you say you could win. You use it to boast and brag, you could do the grind. But this is a new era, people getting so grand fever. If you want to make it, sister, wine faster, grind faster. Don't drop the tempo, don't stop the tempo. Keep up the tempo, don't drop the tempo. In the burning heat, music jamming sweet. Don't drop the tempo, don't stop the tempo. Keep up the tempo, don't drop the tempo. Like a honky come down from Ohio, I must let you know, girl, you're really whining to slow. You are back on Ride the Vibe. Michael Litton, the last DJ, playing what he wants to play. And in this case, playing some Mighty Sparrow, Dr. Bird, Soka Anthology album, two CD plus a DVD. And then having just a fascinating conversation with Jerome Ran, Extreme Adventure, about his epic journey and his book, Sailing into Oblivion. You want to go out and buy that. Buy the Mighty Sparrow. Get yourself some beverage, tiki rum, Mai Tai from Cutwater Spirits or some drink mate, sparkling water or whatever. So, Jerome, uh, that song is not a, not a stretch to talk about do drop the tempo, but do drop the temperature. So, I mean, I just can't, can't imagine, <laughs> you know, you, <laughs> my experience in the BVI, it's always pretty pleasant, you know, the nice weather. You're down sailing and you're bundled up in a snowsuit. You got snow on you. I mean, talk about that. That has to just be miserable. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to say I'm, I'm a fair winds trade winds sailor. I like the tropics. If it's 85 and sunny out, that is perfect. Right. But for whatever reason to go around this planet, you've got to go South yeah. and South I went. So, you know, as you get into about the middle of the Pacific, right. that's when you do your big drop. That's when you go way down to, to get below South America and I'd say it was it was about mid March when I saw my first hail and snow start coming. Now, luckily, snow is much easier to collect if uh, you're trying to collect it for drinking water. And we're going to talk so, about why you needed to do that. Yeah, but um, yeah, it was it was pretty astounding. You know, <laughs> I think the lowest temperature I saw was maybe 25 degrees, oh, but God. when when everything in the boat is, is wet. wet. <laughs> and just oh, condensation God. is building up because there is no heater on the right, boat. Right, right, right. I there were plenty of times where I would just be I'd be sat there and I'd just sort of be thinking and <laughs> I'd just be cold and oh, I, all I'd God. be dreaming about is getting back to the tropics. Yeah, and, I can only imagine. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, so you know, you were uh, scattering some ashes. Talk a little bit about Buzz Jenks and uh, you know his significance in your life and. You know, uh, in the book, there are different points when you do that. Just touch on that just a little bit again. And we don't 
want people to go out and buy the book, but just want to tease them up for some of the right, right. Well, Buzz, Buzz is uh, he's my my best friend from childhood. Uh, it's his father, yeah, and yeah. Buzz was one of those guys. He was he was you know he had his pilot's license. Yeah. He climbed mountains. He did all these these crazy things. You know, he had a big mustache like Burt Reynolds. Mm. You know, when I was a kid, it was just, you know, he's just six foot four. Yeah. He's just one of those guys that that just had all these stories. He was an adventurer. Yeah. And, you know, he, he passed away about a year before I left. And I, I, I often tell people this one. Um, just before I headed down to the BVI for my last season, when Buzz was still around, yeah. I was at home and and we were all supposed to go out and have lunch. And, you know, oftentimes you make plans, you break them, you say, we'll do it a later yeah, time. time right. And on this one, we just, I, I kept pushing because I really wanted to make sure we got together. It was my father, it was Buzz, it was my friend and me. Yeah. And, you know, we had this great lunch. We talked about how, you know, the trip was going, preparations, all that sort of stuff. And he was so enamored by yeah. this journey that I was going on. And, you yeah. know, he's looking at my dad saying, you know, Jerome's doing what we always wanted to yeah. do and all this sort of stuff. And to hear something like that was great. Well, shortly thereafter, I'm in the BVI and I get the news that he passed mm -hmm. away. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing I'm so glad I did not miss that lunch. Yeah, you sure, know? sure. That was the last time I got to see him. And it was, it was such a wonderful memory. But, you know, And that's a great forward, takeaway for people, right? I mean, don't put off because you just don't yeah, know. You absolutely don't. I mean, things things happen and it's so mm -hmm, unfortunate, mm -hmm. but it's nothing you can plan for. So yeah, always, yeah. always make sure you take advantage of a friend's family, yeah. the time you have with them. Amen to that. So but later uh, on. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, no, you it, go it, on the voyage, I sort of had this, I call it the ceremony in yeah, the book. Yeah. But uh, whenever I pass a prominent spot like the equator or one of the five great capes. Yeah. You know, I'd hoist these flags and have yeah. a little drip of the old whiskey or the scotch. Yeah. But I'd also, uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to spread the ashes mm -hmm, of Buzz mm -hmm, all around the entire planet. What a tribute and, to him. Oh, it was it was so amazing. And, you know, I, chills. Yeah. I luckily, you know, my friend was glad to, to hand him over. Yeah, and yeah. he loved the idea. And, yeah. and so, you know, little bits of him are, are all absolutely everywhere. Wow. Yeah. So we talked, we touched on it a little bit earlier when you, we talked about the dichotomy of you being such a people person, but then, you know, your ability to be in isolation. What technology did you use on the boat and what didn't you use that you could have and you purposely didn't? And then talk about your brother's role, because even for this show, Adam, yeah. Adam played a role in uh, getting some technology together for this show. So, so thank you, Adam, but talk a little bit about that. And then I want to tee up, uh, Sparrow Water de Garden, um, and talk about the big, big one, water. Well, it was basically, you know, I kept everything as simple as yeah. possible. And yeah. that, that was really a key to the success of this voyage. So, you know, I had a small AIS, which is sort of a new age radar. Okay. I had an old GPS on the boat. Um, I did most of my navigating in the Atlantics using a sextant. So okay. I was measuring the angle of the sun and all that. Mm. The Southern Ocean, it's so rough and it's there's the waves are so big, it, it makes it difficult. So I just went off the GPS there. But yeah. my my highest form, if you would say, yeah. of technology was uh, a satellite phone for okay. downloading 
the weather model yeah, so I could sort of see, yep. see what was coming. Yep. And then I had what's called a Garmin inReach, and okay. that allowed me... It interfaces with a smartphone, and it allowed me to text people okay. from anywhere on the planet, and they could text back. Okay. And that was really my only form of communication. Mm. Um, I had made a couple of phone calls with the sat phone, but found that I actually would fall into such a deep depression after the phone call was over mm. because my world suddenly came crashing back yeah, in that, yeah. you know, I'm on the other side of the planet all alone and yeah. will be for so long. Uh, but that that was pretty much it. You know, wow. I had Bluetooth speakers. Yeah. I had uh, a decent amount of music, music. and okay. podcasts. Yep. Yep. Uh, but other than that, it was just the boat and I sailing away. I mean, you know, like I said, it's, it's really, it's a low-level form of input out there. Yeah. But when you get used to it, you start riding that rhythm. It's, it's wonderful. Wow. Well, let's, uh, let's tee up, if we could, Wahid, Sparrow Water de Garden. And then we're going to talk about water, water everywhere, not a drop to drink for Jerome almost. DJ, playing some mighty Sparrow, talking to Jerome Ryan about sailing into oblivion on his boat, 32-foot boat, the mighty Sparrow. And uh, Sparrow Water to Garden, not a stretch, and not a stretch now for you all to understand why I selected Drink Mate and uh, Sparkling Water as uh, another um, beverage on the show. But, you know, there's an expression, water, water uh, everywhere, not a drop to drink. And uh, you... You experienced that to a, a severe degree, Jerome. Talk about that. Okay. Well, so this one, soon after entering the Indian Ocean, somewhere around day 90 or 100 of the trip, I was probably five, 600 miles away from land, and my fresh water supply was starting to dwindle. It got below 20 gallons. I had started out with 100. Mm. And it just didn't rain very much in the South Atlantic. And when it did rain, it was usually too stormy. And the salt water would stay in the sails. And, you know, long story short, I couldn't collect any. Yeah. So I had this little emergency pump, mm -hmm. uh, a little desalinator. And it's it's made for emergencies, but mm -hmm. I figured, you know, it should should work for a good long while. Yeah. After it produced about 15 to 20 gallons, it exploded. Mm -mm -mm. And now suddenly I found myself with, I, I basically lost control. That was the one mm -hmm. thing that mm -hmm. I sort of had control of my environment. No yeah. matter what happened, I could produce fresh water. Yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden now I couldn't. Mm -hmm. And... It was I was too far in the Indian Ocean to turn back and yeah. try and get to Africa. 
And Australia still was maybe 1,500 to 2,000 miles mm, away. Mm, mm, mm. And I just, I had to start rationing. Yeah. And basically looking for every single cloud that looked like it might give me a little bit of rain because mm, mm. I was on full-on collection notice at that point. And mm, mm. in my lowest uh, point, I believe yeah, I got yeah. down to about two, two gallons, gallons of fresh yeah, water. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was it was very nerve wracking, you know. So when get your head dehyd- around that, y'all that are out there buying all that bottled water and those goofy plastic disposables, and <laughs> you know, Jerome's down to two gallons, and he's out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, so how scared were you? Talk about that. I, I that that was probably one of the scariest mm. uh, extended periods mm. because it it was always on my mind. Yeah, sure, um, sure. Especially in that that there was about a two week period where. You know, I'm looking at my water and I know I have so little and I can't, I can't overindulge, yeah, can't do anything. Yeah. And I'm just completely at the mercy of mother nature. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, slowly but surely we, I'd get a little bit of water here, a yeah, little bit there, yeah. but it actually wasn't until, you know, maybe like four or five months later that I finally caught a really big amount of fresh water in the sails to the point where I felt like I was comfortable. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it's not only that, you know, I might run out from drinking it, but there's always the threat of, you know, the water tank yeah, ruptures. Yeah. And now all the fresh water is gone. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. in the Southern Ocean, it is so alone, or you are so alone, and it's so empty. If, if I wanted to get help, you're looking at five to seven days yeah. for the first ship to maybe be able to be rerouted to you. Mm-mm-mm. And so, you know, there is this feeling of like, all right, I'm I'm a hundred percent on my own. Yeah. If something bad yeah. happens immediately, that's it. And that's one of the big risks of of sailing. One of those that kind of south. trips. Well, I want to tee up because you teed it up, you teed it up brilliantly. But I want to play Sparrows just a minute of Sparrows ten to one because I want to talk about what you thought your odds were of success. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so if we could, Wahid, let's tee up ten to one, just a minute. having just a fascinating conversation, just blowing by, uh, talking to Jerome Rand about his uh, epic journey, solo circumnavigating the globe, 271 days, and he wrote just a stellar book, uh, uh, just a can't-put-down read, Sailing into Oblivion. And uh, we were just before playing that song. Talk about your odds, what you thought your odds of success were. And you touched on it briefly, but was there an exit strategy? Or, I mean, you, you know, you're... <laughs> You're basically in the middle of nowhere. 
I mean, yeah, they, well, all right, let's just, the odds were not good. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I really didn't even announce publicly that I was really doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, not for a long time did we try and get the news out a bit, but yeah. um, I yeah. sort of figured there was about a, a 50% chance wow. of, of the, the boat breaking down and yeah. me having to stop somewhere. Yeah. And then there was probably a, five percent chance of me actually being successful Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then a 45 percent chance of everything going really really bad wow now how do you get your head around that though (gasps) i mean so you're contemplating death literally i mean you're 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 going into something that you think you have a 55 percent chance that you may not come back out of that's Wow. Yeah, it's 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 sort of one of those things when when you do head out to sea, especially by yourself. Yeah. You sort of have to assess the risk. Yeah. Cuz so many things can go wrong. Sure. And and again, it's it's not like you can just call somebody. No. They'll come and get you. Well, and, even if and, you call, you as you said, you're 5 days out from yeah. I mean, there yeah. And in the Southern Ocean, it, it's so cold. If I ended up in a life raft, you know, hypothermia was going to set in right, pretty right, quickly. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, before I left, I had to get my affairs in order yeah. and, and wow. put together a will and all that sort of stuff, yeah. which was far more difficult than I thought it was going to be. And but, really uh, hard on your family. I've got to believe your mom and your friends. And I mean, oh, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I sort of wrote this thing up. I had a little video I made and then I, I hid it in a place in our house and I told one of my good cousins mm. uh, that I trusted, I, mm. I told him where it was and I yeah. said, listen, if if everything goes bad, just this is where the will is and mm. if you can get that mm. to my parents. Oh and, my God. So you yeah, went into I, it with that mindset. I mean, that's just, that's hard for most people in this modern day and age to comprehend. And I, well, <laughs> you definitely have to. And, and yeah, right, there is right. one other little, sort of reason. And, and this is something that's easier said when you're on land than, than done out in the ocean. Right. Cause you never know until the moment comes. But right. when you do call for help from say the coast guard yeah. or something like yeah. that, basically you're, you're putting other people's lives at, at risk, risk sure. to come and sure. get you. Yeah. And as a, as a solo sailor, because it's just me, uh, I've always felt that if, if I'm going to put myself in that position, mm-hmm, I have mm-hmm, absolutely mm-hmm. no right yeah. to put anybody else yeah. in there. Now, if I had, you know, crew members yeah, on sure, board, sure. then I'm responsible for their lives. And Different so obviously, story. Right. Yeah. Right. But, you know, if I'm going to do wow. what would really be considered a foolhardy thing, yeah. I've got to be willing to wow. pay the consequences. That's a pretty evolved. That's, that's pretty, really, really evolved. Well, it's, it's, it's just a theory, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've never had to test Blessfully. it yet. Well, I, I want to <laughs> I I play one more song, just a little bit of it, but it's only appropriate, I think, uh, Sparrow Dead um, by the mighty <laughs> Sparrow, and because there was a rumor that he had passed, and he hadn't, so he wrote this song, not unlike uh, the whole Paul McCartney Beatles thing. Um, so it was only fitting, I thought, uh, blessfully, that uh, Jerome uh, succeeded and, and overachieved. So let's hear just a little bit of Sparrow Dead and then we're going to come back and uh, finish up our conversation. I hear he had cancer. I hear he had yellow fever. Something in his bladder. And a double dose of leukemia. To gossip, mongers gossiping. I stand up in a corner listening. Before I could ask who they're talking about. A newspaper boy started to shout, Hipper! Extra! Read out about it! Hipper! 
Litton back on Ride the Vibe. Just having a fascinating conversation. The hour is just absolutely blown by. Uh, that was Sparrow is uh, Sparrow Dead. And uh, we, we ended up with that song because blessfully Jerome Ran w- uh, was successful in his journey. And he was able to come back and write a, a, just a riveting book, Sailing into Oblivion, which you want to go out and get. And I just want to end up, Jerome, if you could, just because you threw hiked the app. And, you know, that the mantra on, on that uh, is leave no trace and talk about uh, how you did your best to leave no trace and what you saw in the Southern Ocean in particular. And just kind of, you know, remind people we, we've got to be mindful of taking care of this planet uh, from an environmental standpoint with the plastic and all the rest. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I've been I've been venturing out to sea, you know, for for nearly 20 years now. And it's changed in just those 20 years. And one of the things that happened on on this adventure in particular was uh, my route took me right across the middle of the South Atlantic Ocean. And, and in each of our great oceans, there's what's called a gyre. And that's basically the currents are swirling in a, a, a either clockwise or counterclockwise mm-hmm. direction. Regardless, they, they pull in a lot of the debris, the plastic that's yeah. floating in yeah. our oceans. And so I went right through the middle. And what they do is they call these the garbage patches. And mm-hmm. the South Atlantic was one that's a little bit debated on whether it's there or not. And it's not as if there's an island of garbage. Yeah. But what you get is instead of seeing, you know, a plastic bottle float by once a day, yeah. you start looking around and you can actually see 10 or 12 of these things in the immediate area all the time. And this this went on for five days, mm-hmm. which I, I covered about 600 miles mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. And so day and night, you know, you're seeing more and more debris. It's yeah. everywhere. And that's just what you see on the surface. Yeah. Because as yeah. this stuff breaks down and degrades, it turns into microplastics. Mm-hmm. And that, mm-hmm. unfortunately, is what the fish yeah, are starting eating. to eat. Yeah. And so your fish get the chemicals, you eat the fish, you get the chemicals. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's sad to say, but it's almost poetic justice. We're, we're letting all this trash into our oceans, but it's being fed Come right, right back, back to, us. to us. So yeah. we got to do a better job. So y'all, just sparkle your water with drink, mate. Don't buy those plastic water bottles. Go out and buy Jerome Rand's book, Sailing Into Oblivion. Go out and buy The Mighty Sparrows, some music from The Mighty Sparrow. Check Jerome out wherever he's speaking. And Jerome, just uh, just touch on where you know where they can find you on the web and and that kind of stuff before we okay, wrap up Okay, well... Here. I've got information about my presentations that anybody can book for any event. If you want to spice it up, uh, make it a little more interesting with a great story yeah. or, or some really great lessons, that's at uh, fifthcape.com. Yeah. So yeah. that's the number five, T-H, yeah. cape, at, or dot com. And, you know, you can find information on there. The book is available on Amazon, both uh, as an ebook and as yeah. a paperback. And... Uh, you know, I do have the YouTube channel. I've thrown, you know, there's maybe 20 videos yeah. or something up there. And, and those are mostly for people, people sort of requested uh, to be able to see it. Because in my presentation, you know, I've, I really save the good stuff for that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. But I, you know, there are a lot of people that couldn't get to those every yeah. time. And, and so... Uh, you know, wanted to make sure they could at least see what it was like out there. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so very much. And just, you you alluded to it, but you're contemplating another journey. So uh, tease That's... that up just a, just a titch. Okay. Well, this one, uh, I, the, 
I've done the South, and now the North is calling me. More oh, specifically, the Northwest Passage. And, you know, as as the climate sort of changes a bit, it's warmed up up there, obviously, yeah. and uh, it's become passable yeah. a little more often than it used to be. It wow. still gets blocked up, so it's not a guarantee that you can get through. But uh, in the coming month, I have to make the decision to start packing or oh, boy. figure something else out to do. But the plan would be to leave this summer sometime yeah. beginning of July, yeah. head up north, then go down round Cape Horn, and then I'll have to see where I go from there. But uh, another epic journey is definitely in the works. So stay tuned for that. You're on Ride the Vibe. Michael Litton, the last DJ. Fascinating conversation with Jerome Ran. A extreme adventurer. We're out of here. Bye bye. the record straight. Better get her done, son, because the hour is grown late. Maybe there's a DJ out there somewhere who has a few regrets and a list of things that he meant to do but hasn't gotten round to yet. Well, maybe. Better late than never is my thanks to ever praise my song.